from the Xfinity Studios at WVON. We're your original social media. You're listening to The Greenpreneur, Michael Thomas, on 1690, the talk of Chicago. This future I do not accept. We can redirect this. The Greenpreneur. Shots fired. Welcome to The Greenpreneur Show. This is the greenest show on the planet with your host, Michael Thomas. Join us as we explore the world of clean energy, sustainable housing, environmental justice, climate change, and healthy foods. Shots fired. Remember, it is always a great day to rethink, reduce, rebuild, and recycle our future. Shots fired. Thank you for tuning in and turning on the Greenpreneur Show. We are super grateful for our community partners, Shades of Green, and for their support of good educational programs like today's show. Shades of Green is a nonprofit organization helping everyday citizens experience an eco-friendly lifestyle while reducing their environmental impact within urban communities around the world. As you watch and listen to today's live video stream, remember to check out our previous The Gift of Democracy podcast with author Marilyn Price Mitchell. All of this can be found in one convenient location on thegreenpreneur.com. Today's educational exploration, accountability. Our special Green Studio guest is Bob Langert, author of The Battle to Do Good, Inside McDonald's Sustainability Journey. The talented Lola Starr is on vacation, but we never like to start a broadcast without educating our green ambassadors. Our social media word for today is customer, a person or organization that buys goods or services from a store or business. Please welcome Bob Langert to the greenest show on the planet. Well, glad to be with you. Glad to have you, Bob. Please be advised Bob's book, nor this broadcast is endorsed by or affiliated with the McDonald's Corporation. We always like to start off our Earth Hour with global and local news headlines, Bob, which read Nebraska Bill looks to define meat. Also in the news, Big Mac trademark under attack in Europe. Bob, people are waking up all around the world to the challenges of societal impacts by corporations. And here on the Greenpreneur Show, our green team contributes to making our world a better place each and every day by focusing our purchasing power on eco-friendly products and services. Our last show, my green guest, author Marilyn Price Mitchell, and I talked about not prioritizing child poverty reduction with intervention uh, being the biggest payoff. Uh, We waste an unconscionable amount of individual uh, human potential. It seems the new norm of American citizenry uh, has come to expect more from companies uh, than simply providing products, services, and making a profit. Bob, how does one push his or her organization to tackle various issues like waste pollution, climate change, and deforestation, just to name a few? Well, you know, the best way to, to push companies to do more good for society is when companies see that it's for the benefit of their company to do so. Uh, you know, companies in general, this is not meant to be a, a knock on corporate America. I mean, mm-hmm. I worked for McDonald's for 33 years. I thought it was a great company with great ethics and great people. But companies got to make a profit. But as you say, the world today is so different. You know, when I started working on these issues of corporate social responsibility back in the late 80s, mm-hmm. there wasn't even jobs like this. And now people, like you say, they expect it. And they expect a purpose 
in a business beyond profit. And customers, you know, our research at McDonald's showed that customers, even though they, they customer, that's the word of the day, you know, McDonald's serves mm-hmm. 70 million customers a day. Can you believe that, Michael? And, you know, our research shows that they really care about these environmental issues. And they may not may, they may not want to pay more, but they expect companies to, to do more. So what we learned at McDonald's, and a lot of companies are doing this as well, there's a sweet spot where you can serve society for things that matter mm-hmm. in your business, you know, uh, and you could serve society by also being a thriving business. And I think there's more and more companies like McDonald's that are blending this idea of what I call shared purpose, you know, bringing a benefit to society and your business at the same time. So basically being good should be good for business, mm-hmm. Michael. That's, that's the best uh, incentive. No, it makes sense to me. So, Bob, how would you shift a corporate a corporate's culture from reactive societal management to one of anticipatory issues management, Bob? Well, you know, my whole career. I mean, I, I worked at McDonald's thirty three years. I started working. Uh, I broke. Uh, I broke in and cut my teeth on the uh, waste issues in the late eighties. And for those that are old enough. Remember the polystyrene kind of styrofoam clamshell right, right. that people use as a symbol of waste. They, they thought that was a really a bad, bad thing. And for the first time, McDonald's went from being this golden child, everybody liking McDonald's. We were the symbol of evil for waste and packaging, et cetera. So, uh, yeah, you know, at that time, we were reactive. We didn't know how to, how to deal with that. And the issues that came in the next 10 or 20 years were reactive, whether it was on animal treatment, social issues, being blamed for obesity. And uh, I tell you what, I did not enjoy being reactive, nor did the team at McDonald's. And uh, finally, you know, uh, it's, it's one of my pet peeves about business is that they, they see these issues coming, but they kind of wait, 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 and wait for the crisis, and then they try to figure out what to do. I thought we were very good at handing crisis management and trying to come up with these programs that are good for people and animals. And for the environment, but you know, I thought we were too re- reactive until about 2010, and that's as I referenced before. That's when the company began realizing, you know, we can't be having other people dictating what we stand for. And these activist groups, you know, they're, I, I respect them, but they're not the ones that should set our agenda for what's most important. So uh, the best way to be proactive is to develop your own strategy for the company. What do you stand for? What's your purpose? What's your goals going to be? Have uh, measurement and accountability in your business and treat it, treat the non-financial aspects of your business as important as the financial aspects. That's the best way to be proactive in any company that's not putting forth a strategic framework that's coming from the C-suite uh, on sustainability issues, to me, is going to be left behind in the future. No, it makes sense to me, Bob. So, you know, let me let me ask you this, Bob. Um, how would you decide which issues not to tackle uh, with varying pressures from different outside interest groups? Well, my simple answer would be, first of all, 10 or 15 years ago, I would have a hard time answering that at McDonald's. People would say, oh, you need to have bigger cages for the hens. Oh, you should reduce antibiotics. Oh, you should recycle more. You should compost. You should have environmentally friendly packing. You should get rid of GMOs. The list, as you referred to, can be very, very long. Right, right. So not until we uh, we developed nine goals for the company in 2014. That's the uh, strategic framework uh, for McDonald's for uh, people and food and supply chain, the environment. And community, and uh, those those nine goals, you know, by being focused, and uh, one of them is addressing climate change and reducing climate change, and one of them is having uh, sustainable food and 100% sustainable fish and coffee and packaging. 
So, uh, you know, that's, that's the best way to uh, get things done is to be uh, very focused and set your targets yourself for what you think are most important. Don't let them be defined by others. So when now, when the others come in and say, can you work on X, Y, and Z? And they'll say, oh, no, we already got a framework. We're already working with partners out there. And these are the ones that we're working on. Can you help us on these? Right, right, right. Interesting, interesting. So how is uh, brand reputation affected by the various issues I previously shared, like climate change? Well, you know, brand, we call it brand health, brand health. And uh, we measured brand health at McDonald's. It's, uh, we had a very sophisticated way of measuring it. We had short-term attributes and long-term attributes. What was interesting is that all the issues of corporate social responsibility, those being defined as issues related to people and community, the environment, how we treat our people, are we ethical, are we, do we have environment, good environmental standards, do we treat animals properly, those corporate social responsibility issues were uh, almost half of our brand health. And they were all long-term. So uh, they had a direct relationship to uh, the strength of our brand. And, uh, you know, let's be honest with it. Uh, that was one of the core issues that, were, that, was, that we were struggling with during the, uh, decade of the, the, uh, the decade of the 2000s and going into 2010 and so on. Our brand health was suffering, especially on the issues of corporate social responsibility. People just didn't trust us. Right. And uh, so, you know, we needed to... Uh, Step it up, and our research also showed, this is very interesting, that for every 1% increase in brand health, we could increase sales by 2%. So going back to your previous question, mm-hmm. yeah, working on these issues can help the top line, the bottom line. It can help people attract you to the business, et cetera. The business case for this is very strong. Makes sense. So, Bob, who do you think should drive the conservation of the planet's resources? Okay, well, who should drive that? Yeah. Well, to me, it's a, you know, probably a three-legged stool. I mean, yeah. it's a it's a combination of uh, civil society and you know, all the consumers and interest groups that are in the world, and it's uh, our government and it's uh, corporations. You know that, uh, you know, and government, you know, needs to be more involved. And uh, you know, my assessment of, of governments, you know, both here in the United States and my role as global at McDonald's. Most governments are, are failing, failing to uh, really protect the environment to the level that right. I would like to see. And you know, most of the companies that are engaging on this, we're, we're disappointed that government's not delivering. So that puts more pressure on uh, companies. You know, we're the ones that have to figure out how to help save the Amazon or help save the uh, the rainforest in Indonesia from you know over uh, using palm oil there and you know, other issues. And uh, you know, so I think. Ideally, though, you, you get the uh, nonprofit world, the NGOs, you get government and companies working together. I don't think we have a perfect thing going on today. Mm-hmm. I, I do think companies are leading the way. I mean, if you look at the list of companies, for example, that are supporting climate change and setting bold reductions, including McDonald's, it's very impressive. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. So, Bob, in your book, The Battle to Do Good, you share the challenges of using poly, um, uh, using poly, uh, Polyurethane foam and styrofoam. Polystyrene. Polystyrene, right? Polystyrene. When they told me to, when they told me to fix this, I, I didn't even understand it either, Michael. Right. So polystyrene. But when your journey did fast food packaging become a focal point? Where in my journey? Yeah. You know, in, in my journey, this you know me getting involved, working on thirty years on corporate social responsibility was totally by happen chance and luck. 
I came into McDonald's in 1983 in charge of truck drivers, you know, delivering food and packaging to the restaurants. Mm-hmm. And the, the same division that handled the logistics and trucking handled the packaging. So back in 88, 1988, 1989, McDonald's was getting attacked for too much packaging. Nobody liked the polystyrene. I'm speaking of the consumer. They were rejecting it. So uh, they needed somebody to work on these environmental issues, and there was nobody at McDonald's that was working on it. There's just no one. Mm-hmm. It just hit us out of right field. And for some reason, the, the head of this division just plucked me out of the thin air and said, hey, Bob, I want you to be the one to work on this environmental stuff. So as soon as I started working on it, I realized mm-hmm. that my previous – here's where it really came from, Michael. I grew up in the 60s, mm-hmm. and I grew up in Chicago, South Side. Uh, I – I consider myself an activist. You know, when John F. Kennedy died, I felt part of me died, even though I was a young kid. Mm-hmm. I followed politics. I read the Making of the President series, uh, the assassination of Martin Luther King. That hit me strong. I saw him march in my local park when he came in in 1966, Market Park. I saw the the hatred, the anger, mm-hmm. all that stuff. That was just uh, it was just it was pitiful. I couldn't stand it. Uh, the, the war in Vietnam, social justice, all that, you know, the song, the, the music of that generation. So in my heart, <laughs> I was always like a, an activist. But, uh, hey, I graduated in 78. I, uh, needed, I got married. I had kids. Right. There weren't jobs and sustainability. So anyway, when they kind of plucked me for this position to, to save the polystyrene clamshell, and I tried to recycle it and, and uh, work with the Environmental Defense Fund on reducing packaging in, in our business, it was like I was almost called to do that. It was just uh, nirvana for me, and it's been just a great, uh, fulfilling career. Well, definitely, Bob. Let's talk more about the Nebraska bill to look at defining meat when we come back from the break. Is that all right? Sure. Definitely. Be sure to connect with us via live video stream at thegreenpreneur.com as we green the planet by growing responsible, educated, eco-conscious neighborhoods around the world, and we'll be right back. Shades of Green is a nonprofit organization helping everyday citizens reduce their environmental impact while raising the awareness of self-leadership within the urban communities and around the world. For more details, visit thegreenpreneur.com. Be sure to connect with us via live video stream at thegreenpreneur.com as we green the planet by growing responsible, educated, eco-conscious neighborhoods around the world. Hey, welcome back to the greenest show on the planet. If you just joined the Greenpreneur show, I am the Greenpreneur, Michael T. Thomas. I believe we're in a moment of exponential transformational change to a safer, more economical, environmentally kinder and equitable future with the opportunity to empower individuals within their own local communities around and around the world. Uh, today, we're exploring accountability with my green studio guest, Bob Langert, author of The Battle to Do Good, Inside McDonald's Sustainability Journey. Bob's book is a must read for anyone interested in a behind-the-scenes look at one of America's iconic brands, Sustainability Initiatives. To join our conversation, your calls will be answered by calling 773-591-1690. Again, 773-591-1690 for a chance to win a free copy of Bob's book on today's show. 
Uh, and Bob, before we took the break, I had made mention to a news article at the top of the Earth Hour. I mentioned news headlines that read Nebraska bill looks to define meat uh, for our listeners and viewers uh, not familiar with this news story. Farm groups want to protect state's lucrative industry. Lincoln, Nebraska bill defines meat as an edible portion of any livestock or poultry caucus or a part thereof, unlike the plant-based burger, uh, more than four months after Missouri became the first state to regulate the term meat on product labels, Nebraska's powerful farm groups are pushing for similar protection for uh, from veggie, veggie burgers, tofu dogs, and other items that look and taste like meat. Bob, what's your thoughts on that? Hey, I'm on the farmer's side on this, and, and the ranchers, you know, I think when people think about meat, you know, meat should be defined as coming from uh, some sort of animal, you know, chicken, pork, cattle, etc. Nothing against plant-based stuff and tofu food and synthetic foods that might be protein. Um, if people want to eat that, fine. But I, I'm all for defining, you know, meat as coming from, from animals. And really the larger issue here is there's a lot of mis-marketing uh, going on. You know, it's just... Uh, it really bothers me. Very similar with this issue, they, the beef industry is learning from the milk industry. Like if you have almond milk or soy milk, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the dairy industry has been very mad about that because it's not milk. And it's taking away sales from people who think it actually is milk. And by the way, I learned that there's very few almonds in, in what it really is, is a beverage, by the way. So anyway, uh, I, I think uh, we should be very scrutiny, scrutinizing of some of these claims and uh, yeah, I'm for the farmers. Well, you know, Bob, I do agree uh, that meat grown in a lab <laughs> should be labeled. I'm definitely <laughs> in agreement with that. Uh, but, you know, let's look at the definition of uh, Webster's de- definition of in the dictionary as far as meat, uh, the flesh of any animal, especially a mammal, as food. Number two, food of any kind. So even Webster's needs to get it right, it seems like. Uh, but what kind, you know, what happened to all the talk about free markets, though? You know, and can industry own the word meat? You know, that's really my question. You know, can they really own the word meat? I think that's what they're trying to do, and I support that because mm-hmm. uh, I gave you the example of dairy. I think I, I think if you ask 100 people on the street about dairy, wouldn't they say that that comes from milk, that comes from a cow? Right, right. And uh, so, yeah, I think that's why they're fighting it. And uh, I'd be willing to take on Webster's to change that. (laughs) Right. No, and and it kind of reminds me, though, you know, when when I was growing up, you know, they would say Xerox and people would think Xerox. uh, They said, go make me a Xerox. And they thought it, it technically was a copy. So I think we're in that same branding and marketing scenario in my mind's eye, right? I'm thinking Xerox, but it's not really Xerox. It's really a copy. Uh, so, you know, semantics, it looks like. Yeah, like, you know, like, like Kleenex. You know, give me a Kleenex. Well, that's a brand brand name. But, you know, I, I'm, my sympathy is with these farmers. I'm telling right. you, I've, I've met a lot of farmers over my life, and uh, I don't think the American public understands how great our farmers are. The, uh, you know, by the way, they don't make a lot of money, a lot of hard work. They provide safe, affordable, quality food for our, our people that live here. And, and, uh, for, for the farmers and ranchers to lose the ability to say that, hey, I'm going to lose, uh, uh, you know, this ability that, uh, some of my meat and beef and pork is going to go into something else unknowingly. I'm all for free, free choice. Bye-bye. But free choice, choose to be a vegetarian and eat vegetarian labeled products. Uh, but when it comes to meat, let's make it uh, from animals. <laughs> no, it makes sense to me. Well, you can tell. I work for McDonald's. Obviously, I'm biased. <laughs> yeah. But listen, when I say culture, Bob, what comes to mind? Culture. 
it's the uh, inherent uh, beliefs in uh, you know whatever you know organization that you're a part of you know so uh, culture is really important and in my work at McDonald's you know uh, the culture of McDonald's was something I really really enjoyed I'm not sure how I would describe it yeah but there's a culture in your family there's a culture in any organization I think it's really important uh, to know what that is and uh, uh, yeah I think that's uh, it's the way people kind of act and what you you stand for what the beliefs are. Definitely. And for clarity, Bob, what are your personal thoughts about sustainability? Is it just a fad or just for the elite? No, I think uh, sustainability should be a mainstream idea, and I think that's one of the problems. Uh, first of all, I bet you're your audience. I don't want them kind of uh, nodding off about the word of sustainability, but let's face it. no, you know, A lot of people don't understand it, <laughs> and it's kind of esoteric, you know, kind of nerdy talk. And uh, I think, you know, doing good for society should be a mainstream idea. Uh, and it's not niche. It shouldn't cost more. I mean, should it cost more to have clean bathrooms at McDonald's? No. Should it co- cost more to have safe food? No. Should it, safe, should it cost more to have quality in the products that you buy? No. There should be basic standards for treatment of issues on the people, planet, the environment, uh, animal treatment, etc., that are just part of doing everyday business, you know, and that's the way I look at it. It should be mainstream. Definitely. And what do you think uh, would surprise our listeners the most about McDonald's efforts during uh, your tenure, Bob? I think if they were to read my book, they would be shocked at some of the things we actually did to transform things. I mean, probably my favorite story is working with uh, Dr. Temple Grandin. She's a very famous animal scientist and she's autistic the, the bottom line is, you know, we work with her, and we we made animal welfare a standard operating practice. We we implemented uh, animal welfare standards. The way cows and other animals were treated in the meat system changed dramatically for because of our standards that we implemented. And the, and by the way, these standards went through McDonald's, they went through all the food service industry, and they went for all the food suppliers around the United States and globally. So I think what the what the listener will be surprised at is time and time again, they don't realize that McDonald's is working behind the scenes to really make a difference in the world on issues like animal treatment, you know, like protecting the Amazon, like environmentally friendly packaging, like, you know, going after climate change reduction. Today, McDonald's is trying to have sustainable beef and reduce the beef footprint. So, I mean, I think these are things that uh, most people are, are really shocked at. They don't realize that when you buy a a burger for a buck or two that they have all these uh, values uh, behind the scenes. Right. Makes sense. So, Bob, when we come back from the break, would you mind sharing with our Green Nation your personal thoughts on the current news article, Big Mac trademarks under attack in Europe? Is that all right? Sure. Definitely. Author Bob Langer is streaming, li- streaming live via thegreenpreneur.com to join this self-reliance conversation about the importance of corporate social responsibility. Give us a call now at 773-591-1690. Miss Lola Starr is on vacation. So let me tell you who's doing something good for our planet. Let us give a green thumbs up to the United States Senate. The Senate has approved a bill that, rev- that revives a popular conservation program, adds a million acres to- of new wilderness, expands several national parks, and creates four new national monuments. Also, uh, let us give a green thumbs up to Los Angeles, the city of angels in California, will become the biggest city in the country to make it illegal to sell, manufacture, or trade animal fur or fur clothing 
and accessories under a new law backed by the city's council. The ordinance will go into effect in the year 2021. Last but not least, a green thumbs up to our ambassadors joining us on Facebook, our Facebook fan page, Don Owens. Also, for those of you on LinkedIn, Alicia Roberts Novak, and also to our faithful Twitter follow, follower, Mice Festival. A green thumbs up to you as well. You are connected to the greenest show on the planet, and we'll be right back. Tune in every Sunday at 3 p.m. Central Time and join our live conversations. Your questions will be answered by calling 773-591-1690. That's 773-591-1690. As we green the planet by growing responsibly educated, eco-conscious neighborhoods around the world. Join us to make a difference on our planet. Check out our Instagram at The Greenpreneur for pictures, videos, the green team, and our in-studio guest. And don't forget to follow on Twitter at GP Eco News and on our Facebook fan page, The Greenpreneur Show. Hey, this is Michael Thomas, host of The Greenpreneur Show. Hey, it's Lola Starr, social media correspondent. Be sure to tune in every Sunday at 3 p.m. Central. Give us your thoughts on our weekly poll question and join the conversation on Twitter at GP Eco News and on our Facebook fan page, The Greenpreneur Show. Keep it 100% green. Hey, this is Michael Thomas, your ambassador Green. Welcome back to the greenest show on the planet. Be sure to join our Green Nation by registering for our Foresight newsletter uh, located on thegreenpreneur.com or type in the hashtag GP Eco News on your social media sites, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Remember to check out our, my top green faves on thegreenpreneur.com where you can find our favorite sustainable products and services we use here on the Greenpreneur Show. Did you know the 1950s saw the start of the modern era of corporate social responsibility when it was more commonly known as social responsibility? In 1953, Howard Bowen published his book, Social Responsibilities of the Businessman, and is largely credited uh, with coining the phrase corporate social responsibility uh, and is and perhaps the father of CSR. To join our conversation about accountability, call us now with any questions to win Bob Langert's book, The Battle to Do Good, Inside a McDonald's Sustainability Journey. Uh, on today's show, call us now at 773-591-1690. Again, 773-591-1690. And, Bob, before we took the break, I mentioned the article. But, you know, what was one of your most proudest moments uh, as, a, as an executive leading corporate social responsibility? Do we get Bob? Re- repeat that, Bob. We had a technical piece. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, my proudest moment was probably what I spoke about earlier. It was when the company finally said, yes, we're going to be proactive, and they asked me to set up a strategy for the company, and uh, it was finally approved by the company in 2014. So after 25 years of kind of battling to do good, you know, that's the title of my book, and, you know, it was often a battle externally and internally. Finally, we got proactive, and I just remember having a big party and celebrating for our company because now it was coming from the C-suite, it was coming from the CEO, 
uh, big time, and uh, I, I thought it was a real kind of capstone for all the work I was doing o- over all the years. Makes sense to me. So where do you think corporations should be deploying their capital uh, in these turbulent times of food? I would say food wars, I should say. <laughs> oh, relate to food? Where should they be putting their money in food? Yeah, where should they be you know, deploying their capital now um, if you are in a role of sustainability? Well, there's so many important issues for food and sustainability. So uh, supply chain related, you know, it, it's all about uh, working on the, the issues that matter most. You know, within McDonald's business, and that's the one I know, you know, to me, the biggest issues in, in, for meat are with beef. So, you know, by the way, McDonald's footprint for carbon footprint is uh, 75% of the, 75% of its carbon footprint comes from the livestock meat industry. And almost all of that comes from beef. So, you know, McDonald's is putting, even today, they're, they're putting a lot of money. We announced going into sustainable beef back in 2014, so it's been ramping up ever since. And they're investing dollars to make it happen, working with beef ranchers, setting standards, doing pilot tests. So I think companies and food need to invest in what matters most for the most important issues. And for McDonald's, you know, that's sustainable beef. And, it, it, you know, also food waste. You know, there's so much, uh, I think, food, close to 35% of all food is wasted in America and around the world. So working on the other end of the supply chain, you know, when it's actually finished eating uh, at McDonald's, you know, the suppliers need to be conservative with waste. But I think recycling and composting or figuring out ways to divert the uh, waste from the landfill is really important. So I think investing in technologies that can take food waste and make it into something else. That's where I'd like to see more investment made. Makes sense to me. So, Bob, at the top of the hour, I mentioned news headlines, Big Mac trademark under attack in Europe. For our listeners and viewers not familiar uh, with this news story, uh, the European Union's Intellectual Property Office has ruled against McDonald's Corporation uh, trademark for Big Mac. McDonald's uh, said it plans to appeal after losing some European Union trademark rights to the Big Mac uh, name after a challenge by smaller Irish uh, rival Supermax, the EU Intellectual Property Office, in a decision said McDonald's failed to prove uh, genuine use of the trademark across the European Union over a conscious five-year period. Uh, the Irish fast food chain filed its challenge in the year uh, 2017. Bob, what's your thoughts on that? My goodness, uh, Big Mac, that's McDonald's. Big Mac was created in 1967, and uh, you know I've traveled throughout Europe, and that Big Mac is you know out there on so many different uh, menu boards and containers. I don't know, you know, I'm I'm on the side of McDonald's on that one. I'm not a trademark lawyer, but uh, Super Mac, I don't I don't see I I see that this thing will get overturned. I hope at least there's only one Big Mac in my mind. Right. It makes sense. And, you know, Supermax managing director Pat uh, McDonough uh, said in a statement that the decision is a victory uh, for small businesses. You know, a side note, I think it's interesting. The owner name of Supermax last name is Mac Donahue. So uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I thought that was interesting myself personally. But moving, moving, moving right along, Bob, uh, how does any company evolve from playing defense to strategically partnering to solve uh, protesters issues like this McJesus issue? 
um, is not uh, on an offensive. I mean, you know, this McJesus issue. And, and let me let me uh, talk to our listeners real quick about this McJesus issue. Uh, sculpted by uh, Janie Leno Lynn uh, depicts a crucified Ronald McDonald's. It's a displayed of uh, at the Haifa uh, Museum in Israel. The sculpture named McJesus was meant to be a critique of society's capitalistic culture. Uh, Haifa Museum of Art officials told the Associated Press. Uh, the AP reports the pro- uh, that protests were sparked. Uh, by scores of visitors to the museum sharing photos of McJesus on social media, uh, upsetting and uh, many Arab Christians uh, who considered the sculpture insensitive to their religion. Uh, also, Israeli police said rioters threw a firebomb and stones towards the museum, uh, wounding three officers, according to the AP press. Bob, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I have conflicting uh, thoughts. Uh, First of all, I'm very much into the freedom of the press, freedom of speech, artistic freedom. So when I look at things that push the boundaries like this, I I can respect the fact that an artist is trying to make a statement. Uh, You know, I don't have to agree with their statement. In in this case here, I I I don't agree with it. On the other hand, you know, I I don't I don't like personally. I was I was offended by it, and you know, not not really the McDonald's connection. It's it's more using the the, the cross and the resurrection of uh, Jesus Christ and and those that have faith that I have on that. You know, I I particularly didn't like it, but in my mind, you know, there's a right to do that, and there's a right for me not to like it. <laughs> Right, right. So how do you think brands can successfully navigate and manage today's societal issues like uh, this artwork uh, that make, uh, to make their businesses stronger, more relevant, uh, and more profitable? And, and I would say to you, just in, in um, regards to uh, this particular uh, McJesus piece, you know, you know, I don't, you know, I don't think a corporation probably should go hand in hand about that, but I think it actually damages the brand indirectly too. So, you know, it's kind of a sticky situation, like, you know, how do you get involved with something like that? I mean, that is that's like one of your logos, right? So you know, it is it's a rough call. Yeah, it is, it is, and we've had a lot of those over the years. You know, you remember the you remember the uh, Super Size Me movie, you know, very popular. You know, kind of people getting fat because they ate too much McDonald's. Uh, Fast Food Nation was a book that was the dark side of uh, basically McDonald's, and yeah, so we've been out there under attack. And your question's a really good one. I, I think the key is to define. I'm not sure you can work with some of the people that you're, you're mentioning here, but there's a lot of groups to work with. So I think the key is to find groups in civil society, non-government organizations, environmental groups. So, for example, you know, McDonald's has been working with the World Wildlife Fund, which is a great, great environmental conservation group on sustainable beef and on deforestation issues and developing a forestry policy. And I think, you know, uh, rather than working with groups that are maybe unreasonable or, you know, maybe they don't listen, because, you know, you can only work with groups that are willing to collaborate and find some sort of solution. And there's a lot of uh, nonprofit groups out there that can do that. You know, we had success with the World Wildlife Fund, the Environmental Defense Fund helped us with packaging. I mentioned academics like Dr. Temple Grandin. So I think it's really key, you mentioned earlier, partnerships, collaboration, you know, unlike what we see happening in all parts of society today where there seems to be this polarization and people pulling apart and this anger that's being expressed. I, I think, you know, the work I try to lead would, would try to uh, uh, not do that. And, 
Because you can only be sustainable in your company by bringing people together, agreeing on a cause, agreeing, getting people to agree what the metrics are, and uh, having a very positive attitude towards it. And most of these NGO groups, the non-government organizations, they're uh, they're positive, and uh, that's where companies should spend their time with, not not for the the small minority of groups that are kind of uh, trying to wreck things and be negative. Work with the ones that are positive. Right, it makes sense to me. So, Bob, let me ask you this. Um, you share in your book, The Battle to Do Good, a chapter called Values. Uh, what is this chapter about, Bob? Well, this is a very interesting time in our company where the, 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 the great CEO that we had at the time in the 2006-2007 period of time, Jim Skinner was his name, you know, we always felt we had values at McDonald's. You know, you know what do we believe in? You know, the, the culture that you referred to earlier. You know, what are our main values? What, what drives McDonald's? What are our core beliefs? And we had a meeting with a lot of our officers. I was there as well. And uh, everybody had a different view of what our values were. So the CEO listened to that and said, you know, we can't have people not understanding what we stand for. So the chapter explores the CEO's efforts. And uh, my team ended up helping with this along the way to implement, you know, kind of seven core values in the company that we ended up integrating over a period of several years. And I think that's really important work, you know, that uh, we talked about culture and the culture is defined by living your values. And uh, the best way to be, in my mind, sustainable is living those values. For instance, one of our values at McDonald's was that we're going to give back and make a difference in the world. Now, giving back isn't just through the Ronald McDonald House Charity, which is a great charity, uh, as you probably know, but it means using the leverage of the business to do good as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and there's other values that we had. So I, I think uh, that, that chapter is one of the more important chapters and for companies to, that, that don't have a good culture or that they haven't set it in place yet, that they set the right values for the long-term future. So, Bob, when I say, where's the beef, what comes to mind? Where's the beef? I start thinking of my favorite uh, sandwiches. I, I love the new uh, <laughs> fresh beef quarter pounders at McDonald's. So that's where the beef is at. That's what I think about. I get hungry. Bob, I want, to, I want to see if you're paying attention today. Today's a good day to see if you're paying attention, buddy. <laughs> but listen, let me ask you this, Bob. Uh, I remember recently uh, watching the Founder movie and Ray Kroc played by Michael Keaton uh, is told he does not seem to know what business he is in. Uh, he says the Ray Kroc is not the burger business, but the business of real estate. Uh, where would you say or where do you think, uh, you know, again, you know, McDonald's is global and it's all over the world. So as far as real estate, that's true. But where do you think in the 21st century what business do you think uh, that a corporation should be in now? And not even talking about McDonald's, but just in general. What corp- what should a corporation be in? What business they should be in, you think? Well, I think it goes back to really our introductory comment. Uh, they should be in a business. Uh, of course, you know, businesses are meant to make some money. Uh, so you need to please your shareholders. But businesses today need to go beyond shareholders and also please their stakeholders. And the stakeholders are the citizens of the world. And uh, so I, I think, you know, companies today need to have a purpose. And uh, so, you know, what is the purpose of uh, your company, your show? I heard it at the top of the hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's, what's, the, what's the purpose of a, a company, you know, providing, you know, uh, food that McDonald's does, you know? And uh, I, I think that's what's really important to do both, serve society make money. Those go hand in hand and you can reinvest 
to continue doing the things that you do to make a difference in the world. So crazy question, Bob, who are some of the corporations in the business uh, uh, who are in the business of people first? I know you've been out there. You're doing some awesome work, even though you're retired. Uh, so what are some of the companies out there you see that's doing some awesome work? I think, uh, you know, more and more of these bigger companies, especially the ones that have brands and reputations to protect, uh, are really doing an awesome job. Probably the leader of the pack is a Unilever. You know, Unilever's got all types of different brands. Mm-hmm. You know, one of them is uh, Dove, and I'm trying to remember some of their other brands. But uh, their CEO was driving sustainability as a core issue for Unilever, a big company. And uh, I, I believe they had over 300 brands, and he did a brilliant move by saying each of the brands, managers, need to define a purpose for the brand. So as they're marketing Dove, you know, soap, they're developing a, a brand purpose for it as well. So I think, you know, companies uh, like that, uh, Unilever, I think in the restaurant space, you know, I really uh, respect, uh, of course, I, I think McDonald's is doing a terrific job, but uh, you know I'm biased there. Right, right. In our space, you know, I, I think Starbucks has, has always been a, a really responsible company. They take some really important stands. Uh, sometimes they ruffle people's feathers. And uh, I go, how do they do this? I mean, I remember a year or two ago, they, they said people can't take guns into their uh, restaurants and you know the, the whole gun ownership issue is, as you know is, is such a big emotional issue for so many people and i go hmm, they, they, they must be alienating some uh, customers and but they took a stand i really i really right, admire right. that right right and you know then you think about other brands like uh the chick-fil-a brand they don't even operate on sundays so you you've got a lot of different uh business models that are very interesting no, you're absolutely uh, right about that. And, you know, if I had a wish, you know, I wish consumers would spend more and more of their money on those companies that uh, demonstrate this and, uh, you know, whatever their beliefs are. Because uh, I do believe that the more that the consumers care, act upon it, the more that they'll see uh, companies taking stands as well. No, it makes sense to me. So, Bob Langard, after our final break, let's talk more about a path forward and how both businesses and society can coexist. Is that all right? Sounds good. Definitely. Green thumbs up to all our ambassadors calling the Greenpreneur Show and connecting to us via live video stream on thegreenpreneur.com and listening to us via iHeartRadio, 1690 AM, WVON, and connecting via Facebook Live, Atlanta, Georgia, Los Angeles, California. Also, to our Global Green Ambassadors located in the United Kingdom, Canada, make sure you sign up for our monthly Foresight Newsletter. Make sure you go out and get Bob's book on Amazon.com or any other uh, place Bob tells you when we come back from the break to pick up his book, um, Doing Good. Uh, again, make sure you sign up for that free newsletter. Uh, our in-studio guest, Bob Langert author of The Battle to Do Good Inside a McDonald's Sustainability Journey. Bob led McDonald's corporate social responsibility uh, effort for more than 25 years before retiring in the year 2015. We appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate our listeners and viewers and community partners. Shades of Green. Stay connected. This is Michael T. Thomas, the greenest guy you know, and we'll be right back. Listen to our previous podcasts. Register for our newsletter. That's where you'll find our blogs. Behind the scenes footage. Special offers for eco-friendly products and services. That's thegreenpreneur.com.
Welcome back to the greenest show on the planet. Thank you for joining us. To all our green ambassadors, Venus Shaw, Lionel Nixon, Melissa Tate, uh, who have joined our live stream, uh, and also Miss Sanders, who's joined our live stream and uh, to share, help us share our eco-friendly lifestyle with their friends and family located on thegreenpreneur.com. Important things to remember, every Tuesday we do a product or service review called My Top Ten Faves, where the green team reviews and shares our top picks of amazing environmentally friendly products and services. Today's conversation was about accountability. Um, and, you know, let me say to our new green ambassador, Mr. Bob Langert, we appreciate you for sharing with our green nation about how businesses can help address the big issues of our time, such as climate change, animal rights, obesity, sourcing practices and deforestation. And also, Bob, do not forget. And, and listen, I am not trying to get in trouble. Do not forget to thank your wife, Diane, for sharing you with us this Sunday. OK, Bob? Oh, she'll appreciate that. So definitely don't forget that. But, Bob, where do we see where do you see opportunities for companies to make a difference within the next 18 months, Bob? 18 months. Now, boy, you put that. That's the question. That's the part of your question that makes me hesitate a little bit. Because uh, I think uh, I think companies need to uh, the companies that haven't set forth a big goal in their company to make a big difference. They should do it tomorrow. They should do it within the next 18 months. Any company that doesn't have a uh, sustainability framework that's been kind of passed through the C-suite and approved by them should do that within the next 18 months. Any company that doesn't get on board, because we talked earlier, just the whole corporate responsibility thing, I can't tell you how it's not a fad. Uh, this consumer thing, the millennials, their expectations, it's been a... Uh, 360 turnaround from when I began 30 years ago mm-hmm. when, you know, the consumers, you know, I, I'm not going to say that they were acting upon it the same way, but today and tomorrow. So next 18 months, get going with setting goals that are meaningful, set up a framework. However, it takes a lot of time. You know, almost all the major issues I've worked on, you know, it takes two, three, five, seven years for some of these major change to happen. So you got to get a start. Well, yeah, you know, definitely. And that's why we said 18 months, Bob, because, you know, traditionally people give out years. They'll say, oh, in 2025, 2030. And it's so far out for people. They just really can't rationalize if that makes sense or not, you know. So, you know, Bob, how can our green ambassadors purchase your book and learn more about companies wanting to improve their uh, own accountability record? Yeah, online, Amazon, or other other places. It's available on Amazon, uh, hardcover, and uh, also Kindle. My website has got information, BobLangert.com. If you want to be in communication with me, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter at, uh, at Bob Langert as well. And uh, I really like to engage with people uh, that uh, are into corporate social responsibility. So, Bob, when our Green Nation reads my blog, Rebirth of a Brand, and listens to this 24-hour podcast, Accountability, around the world, what would be the one key takeaway you would like for our Green Nation to know about corporate social responsibility? That corporate social responsibility is one of the biggest movements of our time, and it's going to make a big difference for good for companies to do well in the future for those that take it on as a positive part of their business. Bob, you're the man. I don't know if you uh, uh, should have retired. I think you need to go back in, man. It's, it may need you <laughs> on the forefront. We're just getting started. It's not, we're just getting started. It's the beginning. 
As you can tell, I probably could talk about this stuff all day long and all week. Well, well obviously, you're in competition with me because, you know, I'll talk about this all day. Uh, I have to be quiet when I get off of air. Yeah, my wife doesn't like me at parties because I get, you know, I get going. <laughs> I, can, I can only imagine. I can imagine. I can see you at a party saying, listen, it's a battle to do good. And they're like, okay, what is Bob talking about today? Yeah, you're right about that. Not too many people understand sustainability at parties. Well, listen, Bob, I know you got a family. I appreciate you joining us here on Sunday. And, and here's the thing, Bob. You know, I don't know, and this is my personal opinion, I don't know about going to Mars. I don't know about going anywhere else. I think we got one planet, and I think we should get it right for future generations, at least do what we can do uh, to make a difference. For sure. Bob Langard, author of one of the greatest books. I'm going to say one of the greatest books, Bob's. The Battle to Do Good Inside McDonald's Sustainability Journey. Listen, Bob, I see you out there because, you know, this world is small, so we obviously will bump into each other. Look forward to it, and thanks so much for having me on the show. Great discussion. Definitely appreciate you. Be good, and we'll talk to you soon, Bob. Take care. Definitely. Warren Buffett shared... It takes 20 years to build a reputation and five minutes to ruin it. Dear Green Ambassadors, think about how you too can do things differently in the years to come. And, you know, why not today? Do a little something different. We appreciate Arthur Bob Langer. And listen, we'll be here next Sunday. Check us out. We're always here. Uh, hopefully, well, Lola won't be in next week. My interns wasn't here, but Pat was here. He was on the boards taking care of the business. So we did all right, Pat, just me and you. We did all right. I was trying to keep you awake, but we did all right. All right, check us out on thegreenpreneur.com. We'll talk to you next week. You'll listen to The Greenest Show. With love, all things green. There is a great love for you here on The Greenpreneur Show as we break new ground, moving into uncharted territory, looking beyond our immediate challenges to see the big picture. The planet's future is looking bright as companies and individuals take leadership and action to make the world a better place for future eco-conscious generations throughout the world. You've been tuned into the greenest show on the planet. There is great love for you here. Be good to one another. Daddy, 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 daddy.